Hi there, I'm John Rallison, and I'm just popping on here for a Facebook Live. I want to give you a little talk today. The talk is called, I Was Looking on the Floor. Uh, but first, I want to tell you, if you're watching this on what's today, uh, June 9th, if you're watching this on June 9th, uh, the first book I published, which is called The Seven Mile Bridge, is free on Kindle today. So if you're a Kindle person, you can go over to Amazon.com, search for The Seven Mile Bridge by me, and get my book for free. It's a story of a family that loses uh, the, the... There's a, a mother, father, and three kids, and the mother dies in a car accident. Like all... You know, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but all the fairy tales always seem to start with the mother dying. <laughs> so I stole that. Um, but anyway, it's the story of grief and recovery for this father and the family of three. They decide to take three road trips. Uh, the father and the two older kids each get to pick a destination and they go and, and lots of things happen. And uh, they slowly process uh, the death of their mom. And, and in, in the process, the, the father ends up uh, dealing with a lot of kind of existential faith kind of questions. And the biggest compliment I ever had on it was somebody who went through a situation that was almost exactly what the setup was in my book. And, and she said, I nailed it. She said, I did a really good job of uh, capturing the feelings and the journey of people who go through that. So Wow, an author could not get a bigger compliment than that. So anyway, uh, I don't want to spend any more time on that because I want to get to today's talk, which is called, I Was Looking on the Floor. So here's what happened. Uh, my son and I are here at our house for a few weeks because uh, we have a family situation that requires my wife and uh, other daughter to be elsewhere. And so things are a little chaotic. I'm doing the single parent thing. Props to all single parents. Wow. Uh, and I only have one pair of sneakers, and I couldn't find them. And I like to go for walks every day, so I was looking for my sneakers, and I couldn't find them. Uh, and so I wasn't getting much exercise, and I'm starting to like get a little wound up because I'm not getting enough exercise, right? And so I'm looking for my shoes, and I can't find them anywhere. And we go into every room in the house and look. I'm looking in the family room, in the living room, in the bathroom, in the bedroom, everywhere. My son helps me look. He looks everywhere, all the bedrooms, everything. We're looking, we're looking, can't find them. The next day, we look again, and we can't find them. And the next day... We look again, and you can imagine how frustrated I'm getting. I can't find my shoes anywhere, and I know that nobody snuck into my house and stole my raggedy old sneakers. And I, I know I took them off somewhere, and I, I can even, my son and I can both picture them in our heads. We, we know we've seen them somewhere, but we've looked in every single room of the house, and we can't find them anywhere. We're going crazy. Well. It turns out that I found my shoes. And here's the problem. I was looking on the floor, which is where you would expect shoes to be. You take your shoes off, you put them on the floor. I do actually remember looking on the shoe rack also because that's the other place you expect shoes to be. I was looking where I expected the shoes to be. Well, I had a on the third day, something happened and I'm like, they got to be somewhere. And I went into the bathroom and there they were sitting on the side of the bathtub in plain view. 
but they were 22 inches off the floor. Yes, I did go measure it to see. So I must have been so distracted the past three days that I was locked into my normal pattern and I'm looking on the floor for my shoes and on the shoe rack because that's where they go. And then I find them. They are not on the floor, but I can't find them until I quit looking on the floor, until I quit looking where I expect to find them. And that's my that's what we're going to talk about today. I never would have found the sneakers the way I was looking for them. I could have looked as hard as I wanted and as long as I wanted. I could have got a flashlight. I could have moved furniture. And I never would have found my shoes looking the way I was looking. And it occurred to me that that matches some of the frustrations that we face in life. We try to find answers to things. We try to find solutions to problems using our way of looking at them, using our framework, our worldview, the lenses through which we view our lives. And some of those problems really vex us and we can't get past them. And maybe you're never gonna find the answers looking the way you're looking. Maybe you'll never find the answer looking the way you're looking. Perseverance, of course, is good. Good to be perseverance. Be perseverance. <laughs> if this wasn't live, that would be edited. Good to have perseverance. And this is always kind of a balance for me. But today's thought, I think, for us to consider is that maybe in some of these things where you've had to exercise your perseverance, the answer is not persevering more. Maybe doing things harder is not the answer. Maybe you need to see things in an entirely different way. All right, so there was a guy in the Bible, and his name was Saul. And he was, uh, he was like a young, up-and-coming religious leader, wanted to, wanted to serve God. He really wanted to serve God. I mean, he wanted to serve God and religiously lead the people of Israel. So he was doing whatever he could to probably prove himself to the leaders because he was like an up-and-comer, and also to really uh, keep the nation of Israel as a people who are purely worshiping God as best he can. And then there's this new, there's a new sect, a new movement arising within the nation of Israel that claims that a guy named Jesus, who came from a city called Nazareth, was actually the Messiah, was the uh, long prophesied person who would come to uh, do the messianic thing, which we'll talk about a little later. But that messianic thing wasn't what Saul thought the messianic thing was. And Saul wanted to do the right thing. He wanted to serve God. He wanted to serve God so badly, he decided that his thing would be to wipe out this whole movement of followers of Jesus because they claimed Jesus was the Messiah and he was raised from the dead. And people were starting to believe it. So he persecuted them. And then he turned it up a notch and he imprisoned them. And he even turned it up to 11 and oversaw the execution of some Christians. And his idea was to push harder and harder. But it turns out that Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul, didn't need to push harder on how he looked at things to please God. 
He needed to see things differently. In his case, uh, those of you who are students of the Bible anyways, will remember that uh, Jesus appeared to him in a blinding light and knocked him off his horse while he was on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians. And God intervened to help him look at things differently. Instead of doing what he was doing harder, to step back and take a different look at reality. That maybe, in fact, Jesus was who he was. He said he was. And in that case, that's what happened. And we have the Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament. The other religious leaders had the same problem. And not uh, some of them ended up able to broaden their view to see Jesus, and some of them didn't. The religious leadership at the time expected the Messiah, the anointed one that was prophesied long ago, to come and uh, restore the nation of Israel. That's what the Bible said. He would restore the he would restore Israel, and so the leaders of Israel had a very narrow focus, uh, and were looking for someone to come and throw off the Romans. They were looking for someone to come and free the nation of Israel because it was occupied territory by by the Romans who ruled the world at the time. And the religious leaders were very uh, set in their way of looking at things, very set in their framework, their worldview. They were set in their ideas about things and their conclusions about things so that many of them could not be open to the idea that the Messiah, the freedom the Messiah would bring, would be much larger than simply the nation of Israel. But in fact, the Messiah would bring love and forgiveness to the whole world. Jesus, the Bible says, came full of grace and truth. And even the apostles had to have their their, uh, way of looking at things opened several times uh, in their lives. So sometimes the answer is not to try harder, but to try differently. Or it might be to stop trying for a while at all. Just step back and observe. If we only see things the way we've always seen them, through our own evaluations, our own interpretations, and our own experience, we might completely miss what's going on, and we might completely miss what's really there for us. Our expectations can be a hindrance to truth. There was a prophet named Elijah in the Old Testament. He was afraid uh, because people wanted to kill him, Queen Jezebel. And uh, he was hiding in a cave, and God said he would appear to him, which, of course, is, uh, you know, a fearful and wonderful thing all at the same time. And the way this little account goes in the Old Testament is... It said, so Elijah uh, heard the word that God would be appearing to him, and there was a mighty wind that like uprooted trees roaring through the mountains. And it says God was not in the wind. And it says there was a great earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. And then there was a big fire, and God was not in the fire. And then it says after the fire came a gentle whisper. And then Elijah came out to meet with God. And Elijah had to have his, had his expectations of who God is shattered there. God did that. Uh, we 
think our natural inclination is that uh, powerful people show up in powerful ways. The more powerful the entity or person, the, uh, the more in, they show up in more and more powerful ways. So here God is, and there's a wind and an earthquake and a fire, the kind of things you would expect a God to show up with. And he shows up in a gentle whisper. And this is, this is a good thing for us to remember because it shatters our expectations of how we think the divine is going to show up in our lives. Jesus tells us to expect the divine to show up in new ways that maybe our old patterns and our old thoughts aren't going to show, aren't going to be able to hold the new ways that the divine shows up in our lives. He put it this way. He said, you can't pour new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise the wine ferments and the skins burst and everything's ruined. And you can't sew a patch of new cloth on an old garment. Otherwise that new patch will shrink when the garment's washed and it'll tear out and it'll leave a bigger hole than the first. And so he's telling us that there's going to be new ideas and that, that we're not going to, they're not going to fit into our old ideas. The new way of looking at things is not going to fit into the old way of looking at things. And I think that's a great lesson for our lives. I don't have any answers for you, but a question to consider for you, if you're reaching the point of frustration in something in your life, is do you need, instead of trying harder, do you need to step back and pause and take a look at things from a new perspective? What kind of things are you assuming? Where are you not looking? What answers are you not considering? And this can be hard, very hard. And other people can be helpful in this. Sometimes friends can be helpful in this. Uh, friends can tell you things about yourself that maybe you don't want to know or hear. Uh, blind spots. Family can help with this. Therapists, of course, can help with this. But it's it, it's a it's a um, it's sort of a large concept. But it's very very practical. And and if you drill down into your life, you'll see that it's very practical in its application. Think about your kids. For, if you have children or grandchildren, or whatever, sometimes misbehavior is just misbehavior. It's just kids and they need some sort of correction, right? But sometimes misbehavior is kids trying to deal with things they don't know how to deal with. Kids time, trying to express things that they don't know how to express. And so further disciplining them for the things they are doing that really grow out of something inside of them, like anxiety uh, or hurt, punishing them for this behavior, which is really an inability to express what's going on inside of them, is actually going to push things in a worse direction. And it's not going to solve the problem. So if you're repeatedly disciplining your kid for something that's not solving the problem, maybe you need to take a step back and take a look and ask what questions you're not asking. What else could be going on here besides my child's simple refusal to do something? Is my child afraid for something, for some reason? They have anxiety. Maybe they're being bullied or something. Maybe you're having trouble with your teenager. Is the answer more control, stricter discipline? Or maybe the answer is more freedom. 
Or maybe the answer is you need to spend a little more time playing with them or a family vacation, or maybe they do need a therapist. I don't know, but I know that we get locked in our own modes of thinking sometimes, and it becomes difficult, especially when we're frustrated because part of our mind, uh, our, the creative part of our mind contracts, not, not literally, obviously, but, but the energy that can be used by the creative part of our mind diminishes under frustration because we have this heightened anxiety level and stuff like that that goes with being frustrated. And so when that happens, it actually shrinks our ability to see creative options and solutions to different problems. I kind of wonder if I didn't finally realize the shoes might be on my up, up off the floor somewhere because I had hit the end of my rope, uh, looking for the shoes on the ground and in the shoe rack. Creative possibilities. What questions are you not asking? Same thing with your marriage, for instance. Are you not getting what you want out of your marriage? If that's been going on for a while, just trying harder and harder probably is not the key, I think. Relationships are more about finesse than force. You have to start asking yourself maybe some different questions. Are you looking for something are you looking for your marriage to provide something that marriage isn't designed to provide? Or maybe you're frustrated with something about yourself and your spouse isn't picking up the slack for you or fixing you. Or maybe your spouse isn't doing his or her fair share. It could just be that. But maybe you're not talking about it and that's frustrating to you too. Maybe you're expecting your spouse to make you happy that would be frustrating because nobody can make you happy except you. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I know that if you've been doing something, trying to fix something, trying to deal with something for a while and what you are doing isn't working, the answer probably isn't doing what you're doing. Only do it harder. Try harder. Same thing with work. Frustrated with your relationship with your boss or with your peers or your direct reports, whoever. Maybe you need to step back and try looking at it from another frame of reference. Step back and ask yourself, is it possible that your direct reports are a little more afraid of you than trusting of you? And if you like them being afraid of you, maybe what you need to ask yourself is, is fear the best framework for being a supervisor? Is, is fear the best way to run a department? Is fear the best way to get the most productivity uh, and creativity out of employees? Probably not, but you need to ask that and you need to come to your own answers. Maybe your boss doesn't really feel like you have their back. Maybe your boss doesn't feel like they can trust you and that's why they're not the boss that you want them to be. And maybe you can affect that situation if you start proactively taking steps to demonstrate that you have your boss's back and that your boss can trust you. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I know that uh, if you've been frustrated for a while, trying to do the same thing only harder with more effort is probably not the solution. If you're trying to put in a screw with a hammer, Getting a bigger hammer is not the solution. Going to find the screwdrivers, right? How about yourself? Think about yourself for a minute. 
Are there things about you that frustrate you? How do you talk to yourself? What frustrates you about yourself? Maybe there's something you've been trying to change for years that you don't like about yourself. Maybe you need to step back and take a totally new direction on that thing. Maybe you need to try a different angle, try a different way. Or maybe you need to ask yourself why that thing frustrates you so much in the first place. And it might turn out that if you step back and take a broader look, a deeper look, a more creative look, you're open to new ideas, new ways of thinking. It will turn out that your frustration with yourself will diminish or end, not because you finally did it, but because you realized you were frustrated with something and it turns out that was a misguided expectation and judgment of yourself. I don't know. But I know that when you're trying to do things and it's continual frustration, get a bigger hammer, try harder, push harder, do it harder is often not the answer. I can't tell you what it is for you. I can tell you that I looked for my shoes for three days before I stopped looking on the floor and realized they must be here somewhere. The answer must be here somewhere and I must be looking for it wrong. And then I found them. As soon as that thing snapped in my head and said I need to look differently, then I found my shoes. You can't rush cooking, right? I mean, if you're like if you're cooking a turkey, you can't rush it. You can't if 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 I'm running late, I can't put my turkey in the oven and crank it up to 550 degrees and cook it faster, right? It just takes the amount of time it takes because it's about heat transfer, right? There's a process. You, the oven heats up and then that heat slowly diffuses all the way through the turkey and you can't speed up the process because you know what'll happen if you just put your turkey in at 550 degrees. The outside will be burned and the inside will be cold because you can't rush the process of cooking the turkey. Or can you? My favorite example, maybe in the world, those of you who know me are going to laugh, a microwave oven. It's an entirely, it's, it's a step back from the heating process and saying, maybe there's a way to heat things without using heat. Do we need to use physical heat to energize the molecules in the turkey to where they're hot? And the answer with the microwave oven is no. We can actually beam the energy in through electromagnetic energy and then the turkey heats all the way through at the, through at the same time. So you can actually speed up cooking, but you can't speed up cooking without changing your paradigm, without changing your idea of what it is to cook something. So think about your life right now. What's been frustrating you for a while? Have you given up on anything? Said, well, that's just the way it is. Or, or does something just make you go, oh, there it is again. If you're in a place like that in your life right now, I don't need to tell you what it is. You already know what it is. It's probably been in your head uh, for the last, I don't know, however long I've been on here. I don't need to give you more examples. But what I do want to encourage you today is this. If you've been frustrated for a while, maybe you need to step back and look at things differently. Maybe you need to stop trying and start observing. It's hard, but maybe you need to have a whole new area of your outlook and worldview opened up. Maybe you need someone else's lenses to look at your life.
pray about it, journal about it, talk to friends, just be open to it. Be open to it. Stop and say to yourself, how can I look at this differently? What are the forces involved? What's going on? Where has the way I look at this solidified and I need to step back and creatively look at it differently? And you might get some movement in those areas that are frustrating your life. That's my message. I was looking on the floor and I never would have found my shoes until I looked at it differently. Thanks for listening. I'm John Rollison, and I am creating whole life teaching based on the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. You can find me in several different places. Uh, I have this very high-tech um, board right here. You can find me at journeyoflife.org or johnrollison.com. You can uh, go on Journey of, uh, look, uh, search for Journey of Life on Facebook or YouTube, and you'll find me there. Uh, if you're a YouTube consumer, subscribe to Journey of Life's channel and click the bell icon to enable notifications. You can find the podcast by searching any major podcast place. You can go on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever. And uh, this one here is my Patreon account. My dream would really be able to spend what's left of my life creating whole life teaching based on the life and teachings of Jesus. Uh, to that end, I've started a Patreon account. You can find me at patreon.com slash forward slash John Rollison. And uh, I, every tiny bit helps. Uh, if you want to even uh, offer a dollar a month for my teachings that I bring into your life, that would be so encouraging to me. So encouraging to me, but you don't have to. And this is one of the things uh, some of the uh, creators on Patreon use it as a paywall. And I'm not really interested in doing that uh, because Jesus told his disciples, uh, freely you have received, freely give. So I'm not going to really put anything behind the paywall on my Patreon account uh, to create special incentives. Uh, what I'd like your special incentive to help me and support me, what I'd like your special incentive to be is love for others. Uh, support of uh, the whole life teachings that I bring based in the life and teachings of Jesus Christ that can bring that life and hope and peace and joy and direction into other people's lives. So uh, that's that. I think that's it. I've got another website, actually. I just, I'm, I'm done. If you, want to, if you got somewhere to go by, I just want to show you this. This is my mug right here. Uh, it says, as a matter of fact, I am God's gift to the world. I have one more website. I started, I don't know how long it's going to stay active, but it's called God's gift to the world because I think that's what we need to do with our own identity. We need to reorient ourselves and our sense of ourself to see ourselves as God's gift to the world. And so I designed a mug and you can find it on godsgifttotheworld.com along with my blog and stuff like that too. It comes from this verse right here. There we go. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So that's you. Whatever your name is, you can put it right there. For John is God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that John should walk in them. So there's your purpose. See, you are God's gift to the world. And I hope you live that. 
And my prayer is that you would be filled with the grace and truth of God, and it would guide your life. Thank you for being with me today. Take care. Bye-bye.